Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Don Smith, who's Managing Director of Tempest Minerals, an Australian-based mineral exploration company with a diverse portfolio of projects in Western Australia and considered highly prospective for precious metals, base and energy metals. Um, Don is a geologist and an entrepreneur with over 20 years in the mining industry. Uh, he's worked in operational development, exploration and consultant roles for junior miners through to multinational firms spanning over 10 countries um, and, and covered numerous commodities, including base and precious metals and energy uh, minerals. He's here today to talk about uh, Tempest uh, Minerals and how the Western, Western Australian mining industry, what's happening there um, and many other things. So um, that's welcome, Don, to the podcast. How are you doing, Don? Yeah, good. Thanks, Rob. Great to be here. Yeah. Appreciate your time. As an avid listener, um, wonder if you can just tell us a little bit about your background, about your career. As I mentioned, you've been in the industry for, for 20 years. Wonder if you can just, just run us through your, your career um, up to present day. Sure thing. Well, I'm actually, uh, my, my bio is probably a little bit modest in terms of my exposure to the mining industry. I've been at, in it uh, my entire life. So I guess, you, you know, we should be saying 40 plus years. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I actually grew up in mining. My parents um, were were explorers and, and mine developers. So I literally grew up on mines. And uh, um, when I uh, when I finished high school and, and decided to go study, I, I had zero interest in entering the mining industry, believe it or not. Um, I actually enrolled to study languages. And then uh, I went to university and uh, the, the geology um open day sold me so i changed there and then and never looked back and uh haven't regretted it a minute either so yeah after uni i uh i worked in in new south wales extensively in in base metals um across across western new south wales and then i came over to wa and uh did the feasibility study for a major base metal project here and then i went overseas for best part of 10 years i worked in europe uh all through asia and uh, uh the middle east and uh, more recently, I've been building my own companies, and uh, uh, my last uh, project was in the US uh, with it was 2017's most uh, successful IPO, Alderaan Resources. And uh, since then, I come back to Australia and and started uh, a few companies, including what is now Tempest. Yeah, so I know, I know uh, you, you're pretty busy. We speak about uh, some of the other companies that you're involved in. Um, as we go move through the podcast. Um, sure. But why don't you give us a, an overview of uh, Tempest Minerals? All right. So Tempest is, uh, a, as you mentioned earlier, a, a multi-commodity uh, explorer. Uh, we listed in 2017 as a, as a pure lithium company. And uh, a few years ago, the board wanted to diversify the portfolio a little bit. And uh, we took on uh, a, a suite of projects here in WA, looking for, for gold and, and base metals and other things. And uh, that's when I joined. And yeah, we've been been heavily at it. We've got our two main projects are in 
Yalgu, which is about five hours north of Perth, uh, Mount Magnet, which is a little bit further north than there or north northeast of there. And we've also got a number of lithium projects. And uh, we've actually just announced in the last week or so that we're going to be uh, divesting those lithium projects into a new IPO called Electra Minerals, uh, which will be combined with some other lithium projects, including one in, in Nevada. So yeah, plenty going on. And uh, Tempest, where we're also, uh, as I said, we, our first project, the, uh, the primary one is in Yalgu. Uh, there's an, about half a dozen world-class mines in that region already. And we've been doing some innovative technology and geology over the last five years to try and understand things there. And, and we think there's a good opportunity to find uh, at least one more world-class ore body in that region. And uh, we're, we're currently drilling there. In fact, we, we should be finishing any day now. And uh, yeah, lots of excitement. Yeah, I was just gonna ask, um, how comes some of you, obviously you've been traveling around the world and worked across the world. How comes all your projects in Western Australia? But obviously then you just mentioned you've got a, a new project in Nevada. Um, are, you looking, are you looking outside of Western Australia? Um, obviously, you've got the projects in Nevada now, but it, are you trying to focus in Western Australia or are you looking overseas? No, look, uh, certainly, well, the short answer is I, I personally am always looking worldwide. Uh, Tempest also, we, we're open-minded to projects anywhere, um, but they have to be, it's, it's about the, the quality of the project. So Tempest until 2020 had uh, projects in the US and in Africa. <clears throat> and... Uh, um, we, we still have commercial exposure to those. Um, we've also invested in a uh, million dollars in a new mine development, or well, it's a historic mine, but the new new redevelopment of a mine in Papua New Guinea. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward, we're pretty excited about where that's headed as well. Yeah, obviously with all the projects you're involved in, I wondered if, you, if we could pick one um, that we can sort of dig deep more into um, and tell us a little bit more about that. Sure, Matt. Yeah, well, Yalgu, I mentioned before, that's probably the one to talk about. It's a huge landholding. It's you know, close to 1,000, well, 900 square kilometres. Uh, and I guess the exciting thing there is that uh, I mentioned there's a number of uh, large mines there already. and But they were they were plus or minus discovered decades ago. And the the geological thinking in those in that region sort of stagnated a little bit. It's it's what we call the forgotten gold field in Western Australia. So it was one of the first places that gold was discovered. Uh, yet uh, there's only been small small phases where it's been of interest for people to 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 do exploration. And uh, when we went up there, it's it's got great infrastructure, power, water, rail, telecoms. Um, we said, well, what a great place to do work. And what we discovered after working on there very briefly is that it's uh, it's highly underexplored. And the way we came about that knowledge was uh, my colleague Owen was driving uh, along one of the, the many high quality sealed roads there. And uh, he saw some guys digging on the side of the road and sort of said, hmm, wonder what they're doing there. This is meant to be a barren, a barren area with no mineralization. And so we went in and had a look and one of these guys had actually dug a, a modest artisanal pit and uh, the whole wall of this this pit was basically visible gold. So he, he got me involved soon after then and we sort of went, well, 
it's clearly not barren. And so we started looking at things a little bit closer and we realized that a lot of the geology maps there were completely wrong. Um, not being disrespectful to anyone, it's just uh, the work hadn't been adequately done. And so we realized that the the prospectivity in the Yalgu region is much, much more than, than had been previously recognized. And so we've been exploiting that ever since, including uh, this enormous segment, uh, greenstone segment, that uh, it's basically a whole new whole new belt uh, that no one's known is there. And uh, we've been exploring that for the last couple of years. And we we drilled the very first hole into this whole new belt uh, earlier earlier this year. And uh, that was a that was a scientific hole, mind you. And uh, <laughs> that first drill hole that we did uh, for science, we hit three mineralized systems. And uh, that's not a bad start for your first hole. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't have any ragingly high grades in them, uh, but the principle is proven now that this is a whole new belt and it's mineralized, which is pretty, pretty bloody exciting if you if you ask me for, as a geologist. Yeah. And well, whereabouts in Western Australia is this? This is Yalgoo, so about uh, five uh, hours north of Perth. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you're not in the iron ore belt or iron ore? No, region. not that far north, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned about, obviously, when I asked you about the projects and you consider projects all around the world, what would you say you look for in a project? And do you have a certain set criteria uh, whether you then move forward with that project? Me personally, yeah, I've got a, I've got a, um, I won't say sophisticated, but a, a moderately sophisticated matrix which uh, has a, a ranking based on a whole stack of criteria. So when we look at we look at data, data is out my number one thing. And when I look at the data, I, I look at it under these these number of categories. There's about half a dozen of them, and uh, and within those, you give it a, a a ranking. You say, yep, good, bad, indifferent, out of ten. And uh, and those numbers come out at, at, with a calculation at the end that says this is this is good, bad, or indifferent. And uh, so things that I look for, I look for um, to quote uh, an old boss of mine: uh, Is there water? Is there tenure? So can you how how um what is the risk of you you losing it or or can you can you keep your land so if you're in a challenging jurisdiction is the government going to take it off you randomly or so water tenure and uh and then of course the uh the the science the geology and and the economics if it's a mining project is it is it any good yeah so it's purely a technical how how you're defining a great asset is obviously all the the technicalities of that asset um, and obviously, from a geology background, um, that's the main thing that you're looking for initially. No, not necessarily. No, absolutely. Okay. I always put sustainability as the first thing. So it's not something you tack on the end. You go, yeah. is it environmentally sensible to do this? Is it? Does it make sense uh, in terms of social? All these kinds of you know, whole bunch. It's but the, the technical obviously makes a big point. You, you, as someone said at the uh, iMark concert recently. You, it's nice to be green or pink or whatever color you want to be, but in order to do that, you still need to be in the black, and uh, and that goes for for projects. They they have to be commercially sensible as well. Yeah, is there any projects that you haven't taken on for whatever reason because of the, the technical the technicalities were brilliant, absolutely brilliant, but you haven't taken on for other because of other reasons? And what were absolutely. the what were those reasons? Usually, usually those are the the three okay. things I mentioned. Is does it? Can you get water? Can you keep the license? Whether that's uh, 
tenure or title or or social or or anything like that and uh yeah and 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 other reasons as well is that more for overseas projects or that you're referring um, to, like to. Ten- to. Yeah. okay um you also obviously you're involved in many other companies um i wonder if you can give us an overview of of all those other companies that you're involved in sure uh, I'll, I'll chuck a couple in there. Um, first, of course, we've got the new new IPO called Electra, which is going to be a lithium-focused explorer. That's uh, that's a it's a new one off off the rank, and we're we're pretty excited to get that going. Hopefully, that can be listed by Q1 next year, plus or minus. Um, we also have a another IPO we're working on. It's called Abata Resources, and that's a that's another one that we so we have a, a stable of. Um, of projects that come out of a, a generator that we we work on and we that's uses that model I mentioned before with the data analysis and uh, this was one that came out of that and it's uh, it's in the Laverton region it's got a uh, similar to our Tempest Yalgu it's a it's a belt scale project and has ridic- ridiculous um, <laughs> yeah ridiculous prospectivity for for gold based metals and rare earths so um, and we also have. Uh, a number of other things that we're doing, but one of those is uh, I'm I'm involved with uh, a company called Galt Mining Solutions, which is a uh, a very high quality uh, technical and personnel and 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 it's 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 a consultancy that provides end to end service, so all the way from the junior explorer to the mining and uh, and and beyond. With obviously all the projects you're involved in. How is how has financing been for you? Because I've just come back from uh, the Minds of Money conference and speaking to a number of people, there seems over the last few months there does seem to be sort of some constraints on financing and maybe a little bit harder. And I think it's just for the short term, or I hope it is just for the short term. How have you found financing some of these projects? Um, obviously, being in the junior space. Yeah, I mean it's always a hard game, mate. Uh, won't won't lie about that. Um, Funding junior explorers is is the thing that keeps every MD of a of a junior mining company awake at night. Um, fortunately for us, we we've had some modest success in terms of uh, technical successes this year, so we were able to raise a a, a reasonable amount of money. Um, however, if you look at um, basically post well diggers and dealers, I think uh, was you know the big conference here in Australia. I think that was the the turning point, probably about August uh, for for the market. Um, that was reflected by a large finance group who was the primary supporter of diggers and dealers announcing at the conference unofficially that they're not investing in gold anymore, um, which I think was a very strange decision, but it seems the rest of the market also followed that. So certainly anyone working in the gold or base metals space has been challenging for the last four or five months, definitely. Um, lithium yeah, you could you can raise money on the smell of an oily lithium rag at the moment, um, but uh, that's 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 a good thing. Uh, we we need more investment in that space, and we we are indeed following that trend ourselves. So yeah, yeah, and obviously as an entrepreneur, would you what advice would you give any sort of junior miner that is looking to raise money? What would you say some of the major catalysts would be? Um, for them to get awarded some money, or or um, someone would want to join venture with them. What what would you say from your perspective has made you successful in attracting money to you? 
I don't want to talk about myself in terms of success uh, necessarily, but um, the advice I would give is to is that there'd be three things. One one is to be certainly know know your stuff. Um, be be technically knowledgeable about what it is you're trying to to sell. Um, second is to is to understand the commercials of, of what you're doing and and that largely is the answer to your question is that if you uh, you need to know who it is that you should be talking to about that and and unfortunately that's that's a lot of the a lot of people when they first start out don't don't know that and I, I certainly can attest for that I, I didn't know the right people to talk to so knowing who to talk to and know knowing what the right route that you want to take is if you're a single individual with a with a project and you want to sell it to someone uh, there's a route you would take if you're a, a couple guys or a single person and you want to uh, list a, list your company there's another route you would take if you want to get money for a junior you know for a, a mining development which I've also done you take a different route again so uh, knowing which route to take and uh, that's that's definitely very important as well. And and thirdly, the most you know, in some ways, the most important thing is is having the right story and the right marketing. Marketing can be overused, but um, at least making the story appealing. Because a lot of technical people they get and they get and myself included. I want to do it too, but you get on these amazing detailed technical pictures, and ninety nine point nine percent of people look at they and just go. No idea what they do. Don't care. Next. Yeah. So, yeah. No, yeah, no, that's, that that's... narrative. Hmm. I was just saying, having that 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 uh, that narrative behind you is is going to get you a long way. Yeah, certainly. No, and that's some good advice uh, for anyone that's listening, looking to raise money. Um, obviously, you're you're in Western Australia. Just want to give us an update on the mining industry within Western Australia. Um, speaking to many, speaking to many people, it is becoming uh, a, a big or major jurisdiction um, in the mining industry. So I just wanted to give us an update of what's happening within Western Australia. Sure. Uh, look, WA is booming. Uh, uh, it, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned the money raising before. There's just been an extraordinary amount of money raised in the last twelve to eighteen months here. And uh, that's really starting to flow into the into the um, industry at the moment, particularly in exploration. It's it's a great time to be doing work. Uh, uh, there's some there's some interesting socio political stuff going on here at the moment. Um, I, I won't talk too much about that, but it's it's been curious to say the least since uh, it, since at least the pandemic time. Um, some very very strange things happening, but uh, overall can't complain. Still. What, number one, if not the number one uh, uh, jurisdiction to to do mining and exploration in. Yeah, what challenges do you see moving forward? Because obviously everything is going going really well. What challenges do you see for the industry within WA? Um, I, I mean, I can probably name one, which will be Go for it. people. People, you got it, hundred percent. It's yeah, it's really really challenging that one. Um, and there's a number of reasons behind it, and and I, I know you work in the uh, recruitment uh, sphere, so uh, you'll appreciate this. But 
um, there's there's been a, a shift. So number one is the the boom and bust cycle. Um, mm. People come and go. Uh, two is there's just a shortage of people in Western Australia in general and in Australia in general. So a lot of the Australian industry, not just mining, but in general, haven't woken up to that yet. That we we need to think do things more efficiently. And I think that's a you know there's just rampant inefficiency throughout the, yeah Australia, let alone the mining industry. Um, and part of that's people. Uh, the second one is is the is again related to people. But uh, in the past, particularly like now we're in boom time. In the past, we'd see all this the salaries start to go up, and you know the narrative in the media is like oh mining jobs blah blah blah. And uh, and in the past, you'd see people start to swarm like a like a I guess a a gold rush. Um, that's I guess that's where the where the term comes from. People swarm on the mining industry looking for jobs, and then a few months or a year or a couple of years later, suddenly there's a crash and everyone loses their jobs. And in the past, that just sort of people just rode that out. But now, when you're looking for people, uh, there aren't many people to start off with, and the people that you want to draw back into the industry, they're just saying, "Nah, I'm happy driving my bus because." Why would I go work for a few months and lose my job again? It's ridiculous, you know. And that's that's a major problem. Mm. And what's yeah. the industry? What 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 the industry, or even I suppose the government bodies? What are they? How are they looking at tackling this? Um, I used to live in Australia myself, so I lived out there for ten years, but it was on the east coast. And I know just more recently, they they cut sponsorships. So are they looking at? sponsoring people is it easy to get sponsorships uh, sponsorships easy is it are there other ways that the the industry or even the western australian government looking at trying to bring these people back in or bring more people in yeah certainly there's been a there's been a little bit of a little bit of that with some uh some yeah visas being issued for different um i guess uh, occupations um the the pattern of those i i can't begin to comment on it's too too erratic for my understanding um certainly there's plenty of occupations that seem to be very 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 short and aren't being considered for those those things that you're talking about um but yeah i mean the, the government has has made noises about making positive changes and and getting access to more people to to fill the job um I don't think we're seeing a huge impact of that yet, but time will tell and I'm optimistic. Yeah. And is there certain areas or disciplines that is really under supply of people within the mining industry? Oh, look, I think just about everything, frankly, but certainly the technical ones. And uh, I'll give you some uh, numbers from, again, the uh, every year there's a, there's a, a short report on how many graduates for the different technical disciplines there are in uh, in Australia wide and uh, two years ago <laughs> uh, I think there was just just double digits geologist graduated um, I think there was about might be four mining engineers or something ridiculous like that graduated and there was one metallurgist that's right. the whole, whole country Right, yeah. Um, admittedly, admittedly, things weren't booming like they are, you know, last year or this year, but uh, still, that's frightening numbers. So, I mean, there's there's definitely a shortage of those those three coming up, um, if they, or it is now already. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I put an article out probably eighteen months ago, um, 
in Australia, I think they wanted 250 mine engineers across Australia. Only, I think, 50 graduated. 50 graduated across the whole country. So that's 20% of what they actually need. So there's a a sharp sharp uptick in the last two years, but uh, certainly, sorry, three years ago, there was the numbers were dire. So, and uh, yeah, we've been in that state since 2000, say 2005, maybe. So, yeah. And I think that's, and and I, and as a side note, um, I was absolutely dumbfounded to hear that Curtin University, which is the Western Australian School of Mines, uh, has essentially cut its geoscience faculty by 50% in the last few weeks, or last month, I should say. I mean, that's an extraordinary decision. Um, and it's all based on supposedly bums on seats at university. I, I, I just can't express my dismay enough for that. Yes, certainly. And again, there's the mining, looking at mine engineering, there's obviously a few universities around the world. Uh, I think there's one in Australia, one in the UK, I think one in Canada that I know of that have cut their mine engineering course. Um, This was this was last year. Uh, I know here in the UK, they're looking at alternatives. Um, But yeah, and the thing is, we've got a shortage of mine engineers and the courses are being cut. So I think the industry does need to think differently because at the end of the day, it's the industry that suffers, not the universities. It's the industry that suffers. And I think people just need to be a bit more open as to how we're going to get more money engineers into into the industry. And whether that means they they don't go down the traditional route, universities, there must be other ways that we can educate less uh, graduates to, to make the mine engineers and, and bring them through the industry because they're needed and there's a shortage of them in the industry. Yeah, no, it's, it's terrifying. Um, I'm several uh, subcommittees and, and other groups that I'm involved with industry things. Um, there's, I mean, we've been doing a lot of talk about this and uh, part of the, the problem is the narrative. There's no one wants to join the mining industry because of all the negative uh, press about it. Um, I mentioned earlier I attended the IMARC conference in Sydney this week and uh, oh sorry this last month and uh, I mean the frankly the reason it was in Sydney is because last time it was held in in Melbourne um, half a dozen or a dozen people got assaulted including being spat on and urine thrown on them and I was at PDAC earlier this year and there were people right excuse the sound that's right there was people running around with uh, with banners with pictures of dead babies on it and in saying this is the mining industry. And I mean, uh, we, we need to have a more positive image to start off with. Otherwise, we won't have anyone enrolling in, in uh, university to, to study these topics. Yeah, I, I was actually at the IMARC in 2019 in Melbourne. Right. So um, I did experience it, although, although I didn't get anything. I, I wasn't brave enough to walk through the crowd to walk right through the crowds. I had to uh, find, a, find a back door to get into the conference, but I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, so that, again, it's the whole branding branding issue, which I've spoken to many people on here. Something, something that we're not doing well, and there's a very, no. very active, uh, very, very active uh, um, narrative against the industry um, in that way. So, uh, 
and until we we find a solution to that uh, i think the the numbers will keep curtailing and and certainly a lot of people don't you know i was told this week that uh people geologists in particular don't want to do would people don't want to take on geology at university because they don't want to go work on mine sites and they definitely don't go want to go work out in the bush and that's that's a problem as well uh yeah yeah so um, like i said mentioned branding what what solutions or what things do you think obviously it's a big task but what do you think taking small steps what do you think we could do as an industry to sort of start to improve it and again, obviously, anyone listening to it can all do that little part in this. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the little steps, I think it's, I think many of us in the industry do that as best we can. Uh, me personally, my favourite little quip to to bring out if if I mention I work in mining and someone's anti-mining that I'm talking to, uh, I, I'm always quick to point out that everything in in the room and uh particularly when they pull out their their mobile phone i like to to talk about the composition of that and uh and and the car they drove in or something like that and um i think if if we as a society in general understood how incredibly critical mining industry is um to to our survival frankly uh otherwise we'd be in the in the you know the stone age again um in living in caves that's 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 a fact so um all the modern stuff we have and 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 the quality of life we enjoy is because of you know a couple things mining and and well agriculture and mining so um yeah i think i think maybe some education on that um general general education and science and is is probably a good thing for for a lot of people as well uh, in terms of changing the the narrative on mining, I think it, we can't think short little pieces on that one. We've got to think multi-generational. We've got to educate people in school about the importance and 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 not just the importance of mining, but I mean it, it's it, it's pretty cool as well. That, like it's not the old days uh, with pick and shovel. And I mean when I worked in the US people there a lot of people there still thought that mining was was pick and shovel dynamite stuff and and maybe that's that's something we need to educate people on too is uh say you know this is the mining industry today and and show them ai stuff drones you know i mean there's still the hard jobs you still have to go out and get dirty and 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 you know but the the technology and the 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 importance and the you know, a lot of people want meaning in their life. You know, what what greater meaning is there than to supply the thing that keeps keeps our our society running? Um, yeah. that's the way I look at it anyway. Yeah, certainly. Obviously, you mentioned technology. I also know you're involved in a, a lot of technology companies projects. I wonder if you can uh, elaborate on that. Oh, sure. Um, look, I'm I'm pretty nerdy in that regard and uh but i it's something i've always been passionate about is is computers and technology and and i just think it's something that we we don't do well in the mining industry yet a lot of people talk about it and you hear people talk about ai and all this kind of stuff and often it's just talk it's you know what they mean by their ai that they're using is jono sitting in the corner using excel like 
you know, th there's a bit of a disconnect there. But that being said, I, I attended a, a mining technology conference in Adelaide a few weeks ago. Certainly, IMARC in Sydney last month was extraordinary. That you know, half the conference was just the sorry, half the 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 amphitheater was just uh, technology. It was just amazing digital stuff. But it's it's all very early, and and getting getting the industry to adopt that is uh, is something that I'm really really passionate about, and and the way we do it in our group of companies uh, is you know we've got many things we we have completely paperless companies we have no paper um, we don't use email so I find email is one of the the most inefficient and damaging things that that exist today and I can talk about that all day. Um, yeah, I mean, we we have we have special apps that we do for for geology and mining and data acquisition. We've we've got amazing databases and cloud systems and everything we do. We we try to automate it because going back to early in our conversation, there's not enough people, so you can't rely on someone to be sitting there doing doing this or doing some manual task. We've got to automate it out so that we can get our work done. Yeah. Interesting. You said emails. <laughs> um, can you elaborate on that? Because that, I think that that'd be that'd be interesting to speak about. Oh look, I don't know how much it relates to mining, but it's uh, it's a big bugbear of mine. Um, from a purely technical perspective, email is one of the least secure things in your life. Uh, uh, I know for a fact how easy it is to to break into emails. Uh, uh, but if we go right back to the start of the internet in you know, what was called the, the ARPANET in, in the 60s um, or even earlier, um, email was like the second or third part of the internet that was created. And it was within a month of that creation that, <laughs> that the guys, in, including uh, Mr. Tomlinson, who, who recently de departed us, um, they, they realized that it was a mistake. And they actually wrote papers on it at the time about, you know, basically, oh my God, this, this, this thing, you know, is great. We wanted to send a message to the next building, but within a month, it over overloaded all the servers, and they realised that they couldn't keep track of conversations, and it was, it was, it was just a failure, basically. But somehow that became our default communication method in the world, and uh, um, I, I just struggle with it, and and it's. It's it's also used to replace so many things that could be done better. And and I mean, I know of millions, if not billions, of dollars of mistakes that have been made because of email. Let alone personal one. You send you CC someone you shouldn't in an email. You know, it's just oh, it's hard work, and it's it's not good for storing information. You can't collaborate on email, and uh, it. it it's not project management. It's it's the opposite of project management. If you people use email to to push off tasks that they should do, they send it to the next person. Say, oh, but I sent you that by email. Like that's some sort of barrier that protects you from blame or something. I just yeah, not my favorite yeah. thing. No, I can understand. I can understand what you're saying. So, what what are your alternatives, or what do you use to do day to day business? Sure. Uh, we we've got a lot of a lot of systems in place. Uh, number one is we we've reverted we we changed to to chat. So um, internally we use Google Chat because our whole infrastructure is built on Google. Um, other people use Slack, which is also a fantastic 
um, example, WhatsApp even. Uh, yeah, I mean, things that where you can have group chats and you can be talking in real time without having to actually send a, a letter, which then it's like a virus. If you if you look at it, it works actually the same way. It is it goes out and then it splits out into six or however many people are on the email, and then it becomes untraceable. You can't you can't bring it back to the original source without a great deal of effort. So um, chat chat certainly uh, removes that barrier um, because there's always a, a live connection for everyone who's talking. Um, the other way is we use we use proper project management software. So we we use Atlassian software quite heavily. And uh, so um, for those that aren't aware, that's one of Australia's biggest companies. Um, most people haven't heard of them, even though all the tech in basically in the world runs on their on their project management. Um, as I said, they're not BHP size, but not far from it either. And uh, based haven't heard of them. And uh, we use their software extensively to manage our tasks and how people communicate together. Interesting, interesting, and that's so, and obviously anyone listening to this, it's it's something to think about because I think a lot of people do rely on email. I probably rely on it more so. Everyone does. Than, yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, just looking at alternatives because there's probably more efficiencies to use than just using email. I mean, obviously I do use WhatsApp. Um, but that's it. But like you said, it's that co collaboration. When you've got an email, it's not collaborative. It's, yeah, you're just shooting emails here, there and everywhere. But as, as my, my colleague says, actually, Rob, is uh, he says, uh, email is a letter. So if you're writing someone you don't know, it makes sense. You go, dear sir, and you write a letter and you send it. But if you're having a conversation, I mean, this is the way I look at it. I say, I, I love... I love smoke signals um, and Morse code. They're brilliant things that were used for hundreds of thousands of years sort of thing. But if I want to talk to my friend in, in, in Sweden, I don't send him Morse code. I, I send a WhatsApp because it's more efficient, right? So Yeah, yeah, no, I understand. Um, obviously, you mentioned about technology in some of your other companies. What And obviously, you, the, the conferences you mentioned, what technologies do you see are going to, really impact the mining industry oh certainly uh cloud cloud data is huge and and how that can be fed into into machine learning and, a, and ai and uh, as i said a lot of people talk about that and there's a few companies doing some amazing things on that and i think if, if that's adopted the challenge is getting companies to to take on these things and try things out um certainly machine learning computer-based learning stuff game changer for everything for absolutely everything um drones and and that kind of thing that that made a big impact a few years ago uh again a lot of people talk about drones but what they mean is they're taking a few photos and videos or whatever which is cool but for example we use them when we we use them to do photogrammetry and uh and 3d 3d rendering very accurate centimeter accurate stuff on all the the projects we work on as we're as we're working in the field so um, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many applications of technology out there right now. Wearables saw a great presentation on that recently by a company called Canaria, and uh, they've got this little thing there and tells how, you know, like a, it's like a Fitbit or a, a smartwatch. And it says how how well you're doing today, how healthy, you know, are you getting sleepy, all those kinds of things. It says where you are, just 
so many of these things could be used really well in the industry. And I, I hope I hope we head that direction more quickly. Yeah. And is there anything that isn't in the industry that you would like to see? Maybe you don't, obviously you don't want to give us any uh, any of your ideas, but is there anything a technology that that you would like to see produced within the mining industry that isn't already out there that's going to make people certain people's lives easier? Oh, um, technology itself, maybe I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but uh, maybe the attitude or the concept is, uh, I think the days of, okay, sure, you might have some really proprietary data or, or something that you're doing, um, but I think a lot of the stuff we, we do is shared across most companies uh, procedures and um, and and even the way we just work with data and and um, there's still this reluctance to make that open and share what what it is that you've done and so um, what you find in in exploration particularly you'll have a hundred you know, just say you've got a, a box hundred square kilometers or whatever you might have twenty companies in it and all those twenty companies are doing exactly the same thing. Uh, slightly slightly different none of their data talks to each other and they definitely don't share it and i mean that's that's a big failing in my opinion because we should be it's not like retail or something where you're trying to compete to sell a product in in mining and exploration the only real competition is is shareholder interest and if you're in a region and and you're and if your neighbor makes a discovery uh that's great for you so you shouldn't be trying to stop someone else from succeeding if it's going to benefit you so it's not a it's not a a nil sum game so I'd, li I'd like to see more collaboration and sharing in the industry yeah no that's great um mm. couple more questions how do you see the mining industry evolving over the next say five or ten years sure big one is uh in terms of the uh I guess the soft skills, the the ESG and the the diversity and all these things that are the the buzzwords in the industry at the moment. I think that's a, a really big and positive step that that we're heading towards already. And I think that uh, that that plus the adoption of of technology and and um, and 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 hopefully just just as I said, just all the th all the positive ex the opportunities are there for the industry to grow and 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 give that positive image that we desperately need uh that's that's where i think we're headed um how long it takes anyone's guess yeah and lastly what's the outlook for tempest minerals over the next sort of six to nine months look heaps of excitement we just finished a big drill program uh as i mentioned at the start of the the talk uh we'll be doing several more um we've got got heaps on uh Looking at other looking at other things is yeah, always heaps heaps going on in Tempest Land and uh, look forward to sharing that with the market in June. Yeah, course. yeah, great, Don. Really appreciate your time. That was a really interesting chat. We went into a few different areas. Obviously, looking at technology, looking at branding, um, Western Australian mining. Um, so we covered a lot of different things, and um, yeah, there's certainly lots of bits that our audience hopefully can uh, take take some take something from and maybe implement it in their in their day-to-day -day activities and even looking at a bit further afield 
um, looking at more strategic options for whatever whatever they're doing. If our audience wants to reach out to you, if they've got any questions, um, how can they go about doing that? I take it across certain social media platforms. Um, how can uh, people get in contact with you? Sure. If it's me specifically, uh, I'm I'm on all social media platforms. I'm not the the biggest user of them. Uh, I prefer to get things done than than talk on social media. But um, if it's uh, regarding the companies, also you, uh, Tempest, you can visit tempestminerals.com uh, or or any of our social media offerings. Okay, great. That really appreciate your time again. Uh, all the best for 2023. Um, if Anyone that's listening, appreciate your um, continued support. Great episode for for you to share amongst people in the mining industry and even probably people outside of the mining industry who may want to know a little bit about our industry. And obviously we mentioned about branding and it needs to, the, the, we need to educate the people that are not in the mining industry also. Um, so I appreciate if you can share this episode with everyone, everyone that you know, in the mining industry or out of the mining industry. Um, and so everyone can get educated in one way or another. So until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.